In Matthew chapter 24, when the Lord and some of his disciples came out from the temple and the surroundings of the temple, the Lord made a comment, rather quite a strong statement, that In the coming period of time, I'm looking at the verse here, that everything you see in the temple, all the stones will be thrown down. We would say it will be demolished. And uh, the disciples that were with him, they were astounded by this statement. And in verse 3 of Matthew 24, We read this, and he, the Lord, sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the consummation of the age? So they asked the Lord about two matters, his coming, his parousia, and the consummation of the age. We saw last night that the expression, the consummation of the age, denotes the last three and a half years of the 70th week prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. The word week actually refers to seven years. And the 69th week came to an end when the Lord was incarnated and lived on the earth. Since then, there has been a gap And we're living in the present age, the age of the church, the age of grace. And as we saw last night, the age of mystery. Then after the first fruits, the overcomers are raptured. The great tribulation will begin. And that starts the last three and a half years. That period of time is the consummation of the age. The Lord said to us at the end of Matthew, a verse we love, I will be with you all the days unto the consummation of the age. That is, unto the great tribulation, he will be with us. Then the Greek word for coming is parousia, meaning presence. And what this refers to is that when the great tribulation begins on earth, the Lord will begin a gradual descent from the heavens toward the earth in a cloud, not on a cloud yet, but in a cloud, with his bridal army. So his coming, in this sense, will be gradual. And then eventually it will be visible. 
And I was, as I was looking in Matthew 24 this morning, I believe it was the spirit within me. I looked for a certain verse in relation to the subject of this morning's message, loving the Lord's appearing. And the verse I had in mind and found was this. The Lord is describing the activities taking place, especially in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem, in Israel, the surrounding areas. So many dreadful things will be happening. And in verse 12, because lawlessness will be multiplied, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, please pay attention to this. Lawlessness. In the last few years, in the country where we live, we cannot deny lawlessness has been increasing. And this year alone, there has been more lawlessness that I have observed throughout my whole life in this country. And this is only the beginning. One designation of the Antichrist mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2 is that he is the man of lawlessness. So there may be Gaps, things may come down for a little, but consider violence, the hatred, the killings, the lootings, the burning of things, the attacking of people, the hatred for millions of people. This is just a kind of indicator that lawlessness will be multiplied. Brothers and sisters, we need to be aware of this because the Lord said, because of lawlessness being multiplied, the love of many will grow cold. This will happen to many, many believers. Some were interested Maybe millions were interested in reading books about prophecy and it's so interesting to them. They want to know this and that. But when the hard times come, the lawlessness, I'm sorry, the love of many will grow cold. Notice the Lord says grow cold. That implies a gradual cooling down of one's love for the Lord until it's cold. This is the exact opposite of the way we want to go as Christ seekers and Christers in the Lord's recovery. We want our love to intensify, to develop until we're so filled with this love. Our heart is set on the Lord's coming 
like the lover of the beloved in Song of Songs 8. I want to see you outside the flesh in rapture. I will kiss you. Come quickly. Make haste, my beloved. Come. And so this matter of loving the Lord's appearing in my own consideration as a believer among you has been becoming more and more significant in my personal life with the Lord, in my church life with you all, with my portion in the ministry. And so a message will be devoted to it. And we read several verses, or three verses, from 2 Timothy 4. I would like to turn to this chapter now and spend some time on verses 1 through 8 and then verse 18. And there's something very important here that should capture our attention. Here in 2 Timothy, especially in chapter 4, we have the portrait of an overcomer. Paul, and we will read the verse, said, I have finished the course, meaning the journey the Lord arranged for me that I've been running since I was saved and met the Lord. Hoping to be an overcomer as I was running. Now I can say, I finished the course. Only when we're at the end, brothers and sisters, of either our course or of the days the Lord measured to us as believers on the earth, and we finish these days in victory, only at the end, and we have the assurance we are overcomers. Some dear saints, because of they're young in the Lord and young in the growth in life, may be quite enthused when they hear a word about overcoming and they just say sincerely, I'm an overcomer. But actually, when we have a sober mind with an exercised spirit, we realize none of us can say that. Those saints who have advanced through the third stage of the experience of life, the stage of the cross, the stage in which we deal with the flesh, the self, the natural constitution, we come to know ourselves in the light of God. And we realize we're capable of any kind of failure at any time. We have no confidence in any part of our natural being, the flesh, the self, the natural constitution. But we are pressing on. So what we can say is that we aspire to be an overcomer. And we pray to the Lord, who is the overcomer, to reproduce himself in us, to make us also overcomers. This is what is on the Lord's heart. 
when he ministers in this stage of intensification as the seven spirits, he wants to reproduce himself in us. And as a believer is coming to the end of the course, not only the end of one's life, many believers end their life without ever finishing the course. They end actually not as overcomers. And so we can learn of Paul a number of things that lead us up to his statement about loving the Lord's appearing. Verses 1 through 8 and then verse 18 again. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, proclaim the word, be ready in season and out of season, convict, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not tolerate the healthy teaching, but according to their own lusts, they will heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears and they will turn away their ear from the truth and will be turned away to myths. But you be sober in all things, suffer evil, do the work of an evangelist, fully accomplish your ministry. For I am being poured out, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will recompense me in that day. And not only me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. Now I just turn back to the latter part of verse 5. Paul has been charging, giving a commission to his spiritual child, Timothy, and he charged him, fully accomplish your ministry. This indicates Paul himself had fully accomplished his ministry, that is, his part in the unique new covenant ministry. There's only one ministry, but there are many, many ministers like Timothy was. In, in Colossians 4, Paul wrote, Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry 
that you have received from the Lord and fulfill it. So Paul, as an overcomer, could say, I accomplished fully my ministry. What was measured out to me, what was required of me, I have finished it. Timothy, if you want to be an overcomer, fully accomplish your ministry. Then Paul showed us he is a drink offering. He mentioned this in in Philippians 2. I'm constituted with Christ as the new wine who gives me spiritual vigor and life, brings in enjoyment beyond measure. And now I'm constituted. I am being poured out as a drink offering upon Christ as the primary offerings, as we all know from Leviticus. And this also is an indicator of an overcomer at the end. My last act is to pour out my being for the Lord's delight. Then he says, I have fought the good fight. He didn't say, I am fighting the good fight. He charged Timothy to do this in 1 Timothy. But he could say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. In Acts chapter 20, he was speaking to the elders from the church in Ephesus who came to meet him at Miletus. And he told them, I know that what awaits me is suffering, persecution. But I do not count my soul life as precious to myself, that I may finish my course, finish the course, and the ministry I have received. And he is a pattern. Last night we emphasized Hebrews 12.2. We didn't consider the verse. It wasn't part of the message. And the preceding verse, run with endurance the race set before us. This is the race Paul is talking about, the course, the journey assigned to each one of us personally. This is a personal matter. Brother Nee finished his course in 1972, less than 70 years old. Brother Lee finished his course in 1997, 91 or 92 years old. They could say, I finished. We are still running the race, not in competition, but running in the sense of following the way the Lord ordained for us. And overcomers at the end can say, I have finished. I have kept the faith. So because... Paul 
could testify. This is my situation now, Timothy. I'm being poured out. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Therefore, I'm assured of something. As I'm writing this to you, Timothy, I just know the crown of righteousness is laid up for me. I will be in the kingdom. I will receive the crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will recompense me in that day. He will reward me in that day, the day we stand before the Son of Man, with the crown of righteousness. And then he says this precious word. And not only me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. So we need to be exact in studying this verse. Paul does not say to all those who love his appearing. Remember the verse, Matthew 24, 12. The love that a believer had at a certain stage in his or her Christian life may grow cold. The love itself. How can there be a love for the Lord's appearing if the love for the Lord himself is cooling down and then grows cold? In another conference I had the last few days was on Zoom and two recorded messages for the church in Zurich and all the saints and churches in Switzerland. And in one message we were on life and building in Song of Songs. And in Song of Songs, Love is growing stage after stage, level after level, until it reaches full maturity. This is the course we want to be on. And so one may love the Lord ardently with the fire of love burning in us. And then five, seven years from now, all kinds of things are going on in their life. And the enemy strategy is to wear us down gradually. And so that love eventually is cold. So Paul does not say those who love his appearing, but who have loved. That means they loved the Lord's appearing until the end of their course. And here I would point out the difference between loving the Lord and loving his appearing. Of course, to love the Lord is to love the Lord himself, his person, and every aspect of his wonderful, marvelous, glorious person. 
But to love the Lord's appearing is to love the Lord's, we could say, unexpected or surprising or sudden appearance. He's just here right now. And a believer may be in a situation where they rather the Lord not come right now. Uh, it's, I'm kind of embarrassed. And I give this illustration. And uh, it's kind of, it, okay, just an illustration. I think will help you. One of the rules for the training, the trainees, and the full-time training in Anaheim concerns the 24 hours that they are they have time off. They don't have to wear their uniforms. They don't have to get up at six o'clock. They can take care of certain practical human things. They can engage in certain beneficial recreations. You know, they might go to a museum perhaps, science museum, but they're not allowed to go to movies, to go to a theater or to go to uh, some kind of professional athletic game, you know, football, basketball, baseball. But you need to, you can play basketball, badminton, frisbee, but don't go to a theater. Well, in Anaheim, there used to be a theater adjacent to the post office. And... Now, now it's hypothetical. Suppose one of the co-workers who's a trainer goes to the post office to take care of something. And as he comes out of the post office, a group of trainees are coming out of the theater. They were naughty. They went there to see a movie. Now, for sure, these trainees love that brother. They do. And the brother loves him. But they do not love his appearing because they're not ready. They were not expecting it. They were uh, violating the regulation of the training and now they were seen doing it. And so loving the Lord's appearing indicates that more and more we want him to come. We want him to appear. We want this age to end. We want the bridegroom to come for the bride. And the next greatest blessing to us, as we sang in that hymn, Oh, what an hour sweet. When bride and bridegroom meet and love surpassing comprehend inwardly as we're living a normal human life, this love is developing. And if the Lord would appear right now, we're ready to go. Like the two men in the field, the two women grinding, 
grain, one taken, the other left. One brother taken, other left. One sister taken, other left. Outwardly, they're the same. But inwardly, the one taken was raptured as in a different realm. The Lord wants to disciple us and train us to live this way. Matter what our age is. You may be 15. When the Lord comes... There will be teenage believers in the Lord's recovery. There will be saints at all ages and stages. We all need to love his appearing. And we cannot generate love. So here, I won't take, here I will now turn and read some verses from 1 John. And this will lay the foundation. We'll all stay within the time frame. No problem. But we need to touch in a more solid way uh, the matter of loving the Lord. So now I'm turning to 1 John chapter 4. And it will be sufficient for the most part just to read some verses to you. And one verse in particular will be a blessing to all of us. It's not my word. It will be the word that's a blessing. So first, um, verses 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was manifested among us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life and live through him. him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a propitiation for our sins. And now, verses 16 through 19. And 19 will be the key verse. And we know and have believed the love which God has in us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. And this has love been perfected with us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because even as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has punishment. And he who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. That's the key verse, 419. We love because he first loved us. That is why, along with Paul in Galatians 2.20, 
when he said, the faith of the one, Christ, who loved me and gave himself up for me, we need to be able to deeply realize Christ loves each one of us. Speaking on his behalf to each one of you personally, Christ loves you. He died for you. God loves you. He sent his son as the propitiation for your sins and mine. So we need day by day to allow God to love us. We love because he first loved us. The more he loves us and we experience with joy his loving us, love is generated, it is produced in us. And please notice, 1 John 4.19 does not say we love God because he first loved us. The verse says we love because he first loved us. This means we love the Lord Jesus because God first loved us. We love his appearing because he first loved us. We love the saints because of this love. We love fellow human beings who are not yet saved. And we care for them. We're concerned about them. We want them to become believers and enter into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. So loving the Lord's appearing, this love has its source in God's loving us. And it's so simple, saints. We just come to him through the precious blood of Christ, with Christ as the reality of all the offerings. And we come to him as the hymn says, just as we are. Lord, here I am right now. You know me. You know my situation, my condition. But I believe in Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they who wash their robes. They have the right to the tree of life. The blood of Jesus, God's son, that is now cleansing us from every sin, gives us the right to the tree of life. So we come and open our being and exercise our spirit and turn our heart to him and receive his dispensing for our daily supply and our growth in life and for the building up of the church. And with this dispensing, love is flowing. And then we love. And eventually, we will not only love the Lord, we will love his appearing. But remember, 
I'm back to Second Timothy now, 4.8. Those who have loved his appearing. As I'm sharing this with you inwardly, my spirit is praying and I'm praying, Lord, please have mercy on me in a particular way that I will love your appearing all my days until the end, until you appear. Lord, have mercy on all of us throughout the earth in the Lord's recovery. That no matter how much lawlessness is multiplied, we will go the opposite direction of our love growing cold. Our love will develop. We'll go all the way from Song of Songs chapter 1 through chapter 6 to become the Shulamite. Then enter chapter 7 to be his co-worker organically in the body. And then in chapter 8, to long for his coming and pray for him to come quickly. This is a normal development based on 1 John 4.19. So please don't be introspective. Don't judge yourself in a religious way. The Lord knows where we are. He knows the level of our love. Some of you are hearing about this, perhaps for the first time, loving his appearing. Let's be simple. Come to the Lord and pray for him, for the sake of his bride, for the sake of the will and purpose of God, for the sake of the desire of God's heart, that the Lord would develop in us and maintain in us, with our cooperation, the love of his appearing. Then Paul could say, I'm back to verse 18, at the very end, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and will save me into his heavenly kingdom, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't this a precious verse? Isn't there something in you, maybe even now, inwardly, you'd want to pray? Lord, deliver me. Deliver my wife, my husband. Deliver my children. Deliver my grown sons and daughters. Deliver us from every evil work. We are surrounded in California, by every kind of evil work. From the government, through the education system, through the entertainment media, through the mainstream media, all the way down. Every evil work. We don't trust we can deliver ourselves. We pray, Lord, deliver us from every evil work. Lord, save me into your heavenly kingdom. You think the Lord will not listen to this prayer? You may be 13 years old and you hear this. You're not too young to pray this verse. You may be 97 years old, but you're still here with us. It's not too late. 
You may have been away from the Lord for a long time. Maybe decades even. But the shepherd found you and brought you back home and you're here. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. It's not too late. It's not too late for any one of us. Let's begin where we are. Lord, save me into your heavenly kingdom. Then how does an overcomer conclude? There's no sense of pride here, of boasting. Absolutely not. Instead, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I believe this is what the bride will do, at least in principle. Lord, we're here. Now we're here in the wedding feast. We're here in the kingdom. Glory be to the triune God. Maybe we'll sing hymn seven altogether. Glory, glory to the Father. Glory, glory to the Son. Glory, glory to the Spirit. Glory to the three in one. The issue of an overcoming life that reaches its peak in loving the Lord's appearing is that God in Christ is glorified. As Paul prayed at the end of Ephesians 3, unto him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Now, for about 35 minutes at the most, we will go through the outline. And all that I shared is really not the opening word. It's a major part of the message. But I believe now, loving the Lord's appearing, in contrast to loving the present age, will have meaning for us. Roman numeral one. If the Lord's second coming is precious to us, we will love his appearing. And so this is something we need to consider and pray. That the Lord's coming will be precious to us. If his coming is not precious to us, we will not be able to love his appearing. And here, I'd like to share something. Uh, I rarely use this word in relation to what I'm saying, but I think I should now. I'd like to share something in a, a shepherding way, in a caring way, especially for the young people and the young adults, maybe even for some early and middle age. Maybe... I understand you're thinking about something a little bit, but you can let me know if my brother Ron is just off. When you hear a message on loving the Lord's appearing and singing, our prayer is come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And we may be stirred up to say, come Lord Jesus. And then, now you hear me speaking about loving the Lord's appearing and the Lord's coming. Maybe 
this doesn't bother me, but maybe a number of the younger ones are thinking this. Brother Ron, you are an elderly brother. You're old enough to be my grandfather, almost my great-grandfather. And you have lived quite a full life already humanly. And so for you to say, come Lord Jesus, that's much easier than for me to say it. I've hardly been living at all yet. I'm still in high school. I'm still at UCLA or any other college. I'm still getting training in my my trade or, or whatever. And I'd like to be married. And I'd like to have a family. And I'd like to see more of the, the country and visit other countries. And so the Lord who knows our hearts, he may hear us saying, Come, Lord Jesus, but not yet. Not yet. Come, Lord Jesus, after I get my PhD. Come, Lord Jesus, after I finish medical school. Come, Lord Jesus, after I get married. Come, Lord Jesus, after I have children. Come, Lord Jesus, after my children are grown up. So now you have teenagers and young adults about to complete the same cycle. The Lord knows our heart. He's not condemning this. But I say again, when he comes, brothers and sisters of all ages will be here. Our prayer is that saints of all ages will say yes to the Lord and respond to the rapture call instead of being like Lot's wife. The Lord said, remember Lot's wife. We don't want to be saying inwardly, no, my this, my that, my dog, my car, my iPad, my career, my this and that. And now we go on. So again, the love of his appearing for all of us is produced by the love of God, God loving us. So those that are younger hearing this or middle age or young adults, don't condemn yourselves. You can tell by my spirit, I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to understand you and encourage you Just go on living a normal life where you are. Allow the Lord to work in you the love for his appearing. A, loving the Lord's appearing and loving the Lord himself are inseparable. If we are waiting for the Lord to come, we should be those who love his appearing. As a result of, and I'm speaking spiritually here, reading the body, sensing the feeling in the body over the last six months or so, 
I can testify. The waiting for the Lord to come has been increasing in many saints. The Spirit has used the pandemic in many lives to bring forth this waiting for the Lord to come. Again and again, when my wife and I are having fellowship or praying, the prayer comes out, Lord, come soon. When will you come? End this age. Bring in the kingdom. But the ability to wait again as its source in God. See, the Lord's appearing is coming back is a warning, an encouragement, and an incentive to us. These three things. It's a warning. We are reaching the end, the consummation of the age. I don't follow the way of trying to calculate what year that will be. I have no interest in that. I just set that aside. I won't go in that direction. But the corporate sense is we're nearing the end. That might be eight years. The 70th week starts, might be 17 years. We don't know. But whether it's within that range, that's not far away. So we need a healthy warning. We need encouragement in our personal life with the Lord. And also an incentive, something that motivates us. Lord, you're coming back. This motivates me to be ready in every aspect of my life and living and person to be ready. Point one, we should love the Lord's appearing and look forward to it with earnest expectation and joy. I repeat, cannot do this by self-effort. It's understandable the dear young ones and young adults are looking forward to many things in their life. This is, this is altogether normal. But along with that, we need to have this kind of longing. It causes us to have expectation and joy. We look forward to it. We don't dread it. We look forward to the kingdom coming, to the change of the age. Point two, we should have a living that loves the Lord's appearing. This causes us not to be discouraged, but to remain faithful to the end. So now we're taking a further step from loving the Lord's appearing to have a living that loves the Lord's appearing. 
And one way of understanding this, I think, in our living is that in every major decision we make, we make it with an awareness for and the love of the Lord's appearance. And so, if last night, a dear brother somewhere at the end of a courtship proposed to the dear sister, ask him to marry, marry him, and she with tears of joy says, yes, they should just go ahead and plan with an awareness Our marriage is for the Lord. Our wedding is for the Lord's wedding. Our married life is for the Lord's coming. And I know whereof I speak when I say the Lord may put in the hearts of a married couple, whether on their honeymoon or after 50 years, this the longing, Lord, we love you, we love each other, we want to be raptured together. Our life together is for you. Then this will encourage us and enable us to be faithful to the end. Now, Roman numeral two. Loving the Lord's appearing is in contrast to loving the present age. And we read verse 10. Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present age. In Colossians, at least, Paul refers to Demas as one of his co-workers. This is a co-worker of the Apostle Paul. And now, at least at that time, it's very risky to be identified with a prisoner about to be put to death. But maybe you'll be imprisoned. Maybe you'll be put to death. This has happened in our history. In, certain, in a certain country where the Lord's recovery is prevailing and the ministry of the aged is there. And then there is a drastic change in the entire environment. And then some who were elders, even co-workers, would say, I have nothing to do with brother so-and-so. And they become part of the present situation. So Demas abandoned Paul. He didn't didn't just go somewhere and say, Paul, I'll come back in a month. Abandon is to deliberately forsake someone. And Paul told us why. He loved the present age. The present age. Now, what do we mean by this expression, the present age? age. We're not talking about an age or a dispensation in God's economy. 
we're talking about periods of time in the satanic world system. Every aspect of political, social, educational, every aspect of human life, from food, clothing, cars, houses, everything, is part of the satanic world system. The enemy knows what we need to live. We need employment. We need financial supply. We need enjoyment. We need food, clothing, a place to live. We need an education. And so he systematizes every aspect. And we have to live in this world. The Lord prayed, I do not ask to take to take them out of the world, keep them from the evil one. We need to pray this. And in the present age, there is what can be called the spirit of the age. And that means there are prevailing beliefs and thoughts and concepts and values that are floating around in our age through the media and are affecting the minds of millions and even billions of people, the present age. And the present age has changed. In 2008, when a certain person was elected president, he said his view of marriage is one man and one woman. Some years later, when the Supreme Court invented and passed the law concerning same-sex marriage, on the front lawn of the White House was the rainbow signifying this. Now look where we are now in the schools, what they're teaching about being male or female. This is just an indicator of the present age and all the means and devices for delight and pleasure and enjoyment are more and more available. The whole universe of the internet, a few clicks, you can go anywhere, get anything your soul desires. We're living in this age. We need to overcome and conquer the chaos in this age. But Demas loved it. I don't want to suffer now. I'm not going to be in prison. I have nothing to do with this Apostle Paul person. And that indicates if a co-worker of the Apostle Paul can abandon Paul because instead of loving the Lord's appearing, he loved the present age, this could happen to anyone among us. Because the germs are in all of us. Within days after my daughter was born in 1967, I'd only been in the recovery about 16 months. I knew very little. But I had learned to deal with the world. And I prayed for her 
and she's growing up. Lord, show her, cause her to see the vanity of the world, the vanity. And she got saved in children's meeting when she was in the sixth grade by faithful serving sisters. And she began to love the Lord and that love developed. And maybe when she was 16 or 17, in an evening meeting after the Lord's table, fellowship time, she stood up and testified. And she said, Dad, I'm beginning to see the vanity of the world. We need to pray for our young people that they will stop or never start loving the present age. It's one or the other. But in certain places in the United States, especially in California, in areas where the high-tech people are there, they're well-paying jobs. And there's quite a number of dear brothers and sisters, now young adults. They have arranged a certain kind of church life for themselves, what they call balance. And actually, they have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. So there's church time, then there's present age time. So there's a conference on Friday evening, Saturday evening, Lord's Day morning, Friday evening, that's church time. Lord's Day morning, that's church time. Saturday evening, that's present age time. We're not going to a conference meeting no matter who is speaking or what the burden is, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And that's the pattern of their life. They are heading toward disaster regarding the coming kingdom and being an overcomer. Now I'll read through this point, this section. It will speak for itself. An age is a part, a section, or an aspect of the world system of Satan, which is used by him to usurp and occupy people and keep them away from God and his purpose. In 2 Timothy 4.10, the present age refers to the world that surrounds, attracts, and tempts us. We cannot contact the world unless we contact the present age of the world. So, for example, when I need either medical care or I need advice, for my health on a certain matter. And I'm very normal in this, as Brother Lee was. I would seek the best medical uh, help. And I will often contact dear brothers, 
well-trained physicians. But I discern something at certain times that they may not be aware of. And you're not aware of that the medical system is part of Satan's kingdom. So when you speak to me as a doctor, as a brother who's a doctor, sharing in a spirit of fellowship, wise medical advice, I welcome that. But when I sense that your thinking is being regulated by the spirit of the age working through the medical system, I'm careful. I'm careful. This involves education. It involves food, clothing, everything. We have to realize there's an enemy behind the scene. And he's extremely active in the United States right now. Especially, he's been in New York and in California, and in the Lord's time, California will be under severe judgment of the righteous God in his government. We need to learn to live an overcoming life, a loving of Christ's appearing life, right in the midst of the present age, Getting what we need to live a normal human life at the stage where we are without loving the present age. See, Demas loved the present age. Due to the attraction of the present age, he forsook the Apostle Paul. In Romans 12, 2, Paul exhorts us to not be fashioned according to this age but to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. This age in verse 2 denotes the present practical part of the world, which stands in opposition to the body life and replaces the body life. That's why we can't have it two ways. The Lord said directly in his teaching, no one can serve Two masters. Either loves one and hates the other, or vice versa. You cannot serve God and mammon. Just this morning, I received an email, a very thoughtful email, a pure email, concerning a saint somewhere in recovery was very active in a particular situation. And this saint is just piling up mountains of money endlessly and will do whatever is necessary to deprive other saints for her own benefit or his own benefit. It's possible. We either serve God or we serve mammon. 
And mammon is the power behind the world system, the present age. We need enough money to live, to care for our family, to fulfill our responsibilities. But no saint should be self-deluded to think, I want both. I want everything. Make up your mind. If you do not actively decide to serve God, this means in practicality, you are serving mammon. And you are part of this age. And you'll be swept along by the current of this age. But if we love the Lord and love his appearing, we will be normal human beings in every way. But we will not love this present age. Point two, to be fashioned according to this age means to adopt the fashions of the present age. To be transformed is to follow an organic element to allow an organic element to be wrought into our being, thus producing an inward metabolic change. We're either conformed in our mind to this present age, or we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind to be overcomers. Three, because the present age opposes the church, which is God's will, we must not be fashioned according to it. The present age is against the church. That's why you can't have both at the same time. Because the present age opposes the church, which is God's will, we must not be fashioned according to it. We must fight for the minds of our growing children and our young people, and college students. Lord, save them from their minds being fashioned, being conformed to this age. May they seek the renewing of the mind. For if we are to live in the body of Christ, we should not follow the present age or be fashioned to it or conformed to it. E, if we love the present age, we will take sides with the world. If we love the Lord's appearing, we will take sides with him and fight with him for his interest. There's no neutrality. We are either one or the other. You're either a Demas who loves the present age or a Paul who loves the Lord's appearing. If we're passive, we will just be taken over by the love of the present age. No one can make this decision for someone else. We need to stand before the Lord and say, I choose the will of God. I choose to love the Lord in his appearing. I desire to be an overcomer. I am living to the Lord to fulfill his heart's desire, his bride. E, if we love the present age, 
Okay, I read that. Now we come to three. And we're finishing up in five minutes. Those who love the Lord wait for his coming and love his appearing will overcome. They were not saying our overcomers. We're not saying they have overcome. They will. If you want to be an overcomer produced by Christ, the overcomer, you will be one who loves the Lord, waits for his coming, and loves his appearing. A, loving the Lord's appearing is a proof that we love the Lord and live for him today. Hence, it also becomes a condition for us to receive his reward. The reward, the crown of righteousness, will be given to those saints who love the Lord's appearing. So loving the Lord's appearing is a condition, a requirement for receiving the kingdom reward. B, to love the Lord's appearing does not mean that we should not live a normal life. Rather, the more we love his appearing, the more we need to live a normal life today. Many older saints can testify that this is true. Many of us can testify through the years we've been enjoying Christ as the meal offering, taking Christ as our divinely enriched humanity. And the more we are constituted with the triune God processed and consummated, the more Jesusly human we become. We live a normal life in every way. The more we love the Lord's appearing, the more the Lord in us will cause us and supply us to live a normal life. I say now, probably for the third time, the two men in the field were living a normal life, spending most of their time and energy on any day on their jobs, fulfilling their responsibilities. The two sisters were doing the same. The Lord didn't rapture a sister who was PSRPing for five hours and a brother who was just singing hymns and prayer reading scriptures and studying ministry material all day long. That's not normal. Even if you're a co-worker, that's not normal. And so this to me is a great relief. We just go on living a normal life in the humanity of Jesus. And simultaneously, your mingled spirit under the divine dispensing will cause you to grow in life and build you up. Now the last point. As those who love the Lord Jesus, take him as our life, live him and magnify him, we should await his coming and love his appearing. This should be our heart's desire 
and are living as those who hope to enter into his joy, be saved into the Lord's heavenly kingdom, and receive the crown of righteousness. May the Lord bless us. May he have grace and mercy dispensed into us that we would await his coming and love his appearing and have in our heart the heart's desire of the Lord for him to come for his bride. And we want him to come and be brought into his heavenly kingdom and be rewarded with the crown of righteousness. May the Lord have mercy on us all. Minister to us where we are and guide us step by step until we one day we all will be able to say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. I love the Lord's appearing. Now I can really say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.